Thank you for joining us wherever you are. This podcast episode is brought to you by the Old Ways Actual Play Team. This actual play uses the 7th edition Call of Cthulhu tabletop role-playing game rules by Chaosium. This actual play is performed by adults and in an adult setting. While we try very hard to stick to language for all ages, listeners should know that this podcast may include mature themes. All content, including names, places, events, companies, and etc., that may bear resemblance to entities living or dead, is strictly coincidental. My name is Michael Diamond, and for tonight's game, I will be your keeper. Thank you for joining us again on another episode of the Old Ways Podcast. I'm your keeper, Keeper Michael, and we return to a very special episode of Mask of Nautep, where we are going to focus back in uh, and do a spotlight on a specific character. And so I am here with one of our investigators, so I'll just let them introduce themselves, and we will, as we always do, let the ball roll from there. Yeah, this is Alex playing Sam Baron, who uh, is in a position to make promises and admit to failing to keep others. Well, fantastic. I look forward to seeing you um, potentially make promises. That's always, always very interesting. So when we last left Sam, you'd cloistered yourself away a little bit. You'd collected some things, perhaps need some, some other things. So in, in preparation for this calling... You had done some very specific things. You'd gone into the Minerva's cargo hold. You'd managed to secure, well, let's say a, a very long snake. And then you'd found a place where you could set aside and have this sort of ritual. So I guess I'd like you to take us through Sam's setup, how he has things prepared. Remind us of, of the, the aim and the, the will that you're putting behind it. With the events in China unfolding as they did, it's it's become very obvious to Sam that, and even in communication with Jack, that that we need allies. And it's not enough to, to simply ingratiate yourself to one of these powers, but to be able to potentially identify ones that won't end the world or that don't want to, I don't know, consume everything or that don't that don't want to deceive or that maybe have other aims like you know, just like when, when when Maeve attempted to express how Yig isn't one of the bad ones in giant quotation marks, but but how Yig has uh, thoughts on preservation and, and survival of either their culture or their 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 cult, let more about sustaining. And so with, with Bast, I think that Bast resonates a lot with Sam in that. Um, there's a sense of mutual individuality and, and freedom that comes with being a cat, let alone a cat goddess. There is a level of, of self-empowerment that seems to kind of run through either both Bass servitors, as is obvious with uh, Nerys, who was fiercely independent and um, uncompromising in in her in her ethics and in her in her stance. So. In looking for allies, feeling the touch of Bast in that volcano has led Sam to be willing to make certain sacrifices to make and establish respectful contact. Um, so knowing, understanding the ritual that was given to him, you know, he, he sought one, the, the audience of felines to, and making them aware of his wishes to make contact with their 
uh, I wouldn't even know what to, what to call their mother, their mother figure, matron, to seeking out a reptile, a poisonous reptile, to use as not only a sacrifice, but but as a as a representation of the toxin that Sam feels is running through his fate, uh, either due to you know the Black Pharaoh's taint on his blade via the ritual, or the kind of the ongoing oppressive force that that seeks to kind of choke the hope out of him and, and everyone else. So in a lot of ways, the the, the poison represents, you know, the, the, the poison of the reptile represents the, the, the venom that's running through his veins. And so he wants to surrender it to Bast. He's relinquishing any power that it gives him in hopes that there's another side of that coin that isn't fear and isn't darkness and represents justice and hope and protection and there's a, there's a, there's even though these cats are fiercely independent like there's a there's a oneness to them like they, they are communal they are a family of sorts um whether or not they are you know fiercely competitive or anything like that with one another there's a, a sense of like mutual belonging that sam is seeking which led him here the point that it's important to sort of draw to when it comes to the perhaps some of the parallels with what Miss O'Shea talked about in her own beliefs now, as probably as stark as that is to even think about, they view what is going on with Nyarlathotep as an existential crisis, as something that could break the world. And so it may be that some of Yig's practices and practitioners might not necessarily line up very well with a deity like Bast, but when there is a enemy of my enemy, there are certain calculations that Bast is willing to make. Uh, much like any feline, they are tactical in that way. It would be easier to um, put down something horrible with perhaps a um, unusual ally than attempt to defeat them on your own. So you had uncovered a space where several of the boat's felines had been using as a, a home. You have collected what you need. You have surrounded yourselves with many different, um, some living icons of Bast and one very specific um, borrowed, borrowed statue. Thank you, Jack. And so I guess I would ask them, you have the ability to uh, cast that spell. How, how, would that, how would that start for you? How would you begin the process? The first thing we have to do is get extremely intoxicated. Correct. So having absconded with a bunch of uh, alcohol from the many full bars on board, I would begin drinking heavily, and uh, after removing every semblance of clothing and in addition to drinking, dancing about much in the same way that uh, Nerys showed him that he attempted to emulate before the same type of um, rhythmic grace and you know intensity, not being at all subtle about noise and uh, as far as what he's singing, it is likely it's likely something uplifting. 
I imagine it would be a song of, of reverence, of hope. It is a dark time, but he's looking for a positive message. So he wants to put one out there. So that's where it would start. Mm-hmm. Um, and then once he was physically exhausted from the dance and thoroughly trashed, um, the other parts of the ritual would begin. So uh, we would take the copper bowl that uh, the, the ship was also generous to provide us with and place it in front of the statue of Bast. Reach into that double burlap sack and yank that serpent out by its face fearlessly, relentlessly, and speak speak aloud his his desires, his wishes, his his thoughts. All right. The blood from the serpent hits the copper bowl and begins to smoke. Just after a few seconds of sitting in the bowl, the room is is humid now, hot even, with uh, all of the dancing and singing and probably orating that has been done. You probably called back to memories of songs you had sung in your childhood or perhaps heard sung. Perhaps that message of hope, the hope from being able to, to throw off any sort of um, oppressors and live free as uh, the air does. And that blood and the steam and, and sort of smoke that begins to billow out of this copper bowl begins to fill the air too. It is not an acrid smell though, one you would expect. There is no plumes of copper or, or the scent of blood in the air. It's a spiced scent that comes out of this bowl. It is uh, heavy on your nostrils. It seeps into the pores of your skin. And you stand there as the last vestiges of life wriggle out of this serpent. And you feel the need to squeeze every ounce of that poison and the blood that carries it into this bowl. And there's this great exultation of joy, true, the, the, the joy that you felt when you were saved on the raft, the joy that you felt when powerful and terrible enemy was felled. That moment, that burst of belief that things can be different blossoms in you in this small room adorned with feline eyes that watch you intently. Can I bring myself to speak? Certainly. And I will, I will say again, by this act, I, I surrender the darkness within me. I relinquish the poison that threatens to consume me. I implore you to accept my offering and to transmute this toxin into a beacon of hope and strength. You feel your words echo around in the room off of some of the cabinets here that have been converted into feline apartments, their own little spaces. And the walls slowly fade from the gray and green tones that they carry into into dark black voids and in these voids 
tiny little lights in your eyes begin to appear. And at first they, they seem a little bit like those feline eyes you have seen stare back at you, much like in the cistern when you saw all of the cats beneath Cairo's streets. I feel your presence igniting a fire in my soul. I am humbled by your response. There's a voice that takes to the air here, um, but it fills the space with little effort. You have called, I'm here, child. It is a, a, a titanic weight for your mind to process. In this darkest hour, I come before you, great bast. As a hunter of the horrors that plague this world. These entities have infiltrated our reality, corrupting the hearts and minds of humans. With every hunt and every battle, my soul absorbs their taint, and I only plea for an intervention and in audience with, if I am to be chosen, be an instrument. I wish only your guidance to continue my hunt. You hear a um, a curious tone come from the voice. You assume you are to be chosen. If I am worthy. If. They have many eyes in these worlds. I have seen some of your actions. I have heard of your tale in Cairo. It does seem that the darkness there has lessened, although it is not gone. The soul of Nyctochris still lives on. The soul of many ancient Egyptians live on. I walked among them at one point. Nyctochris is an unfortunate side effect of the, as you would call, taint that exists in your world. These creatures from the beyond have come and they have spread their poison amongst the fertile trees and the people who share the shade it offers. You would stand in a place to render judgment to them. You wish to stand in that gap. It's not my place to offer judgment, only relief to those who are crushed by their existence and tortured and tormented. Mm. I thought that's what this would do, and I push the blade forward against the floor. I was naive in my search for power to, to not feel helpless against them. I watched your naivety from a windowsill on a simple desert home not far away. But this is how these creatures work. They wind their way into you by finding what you lack and offering it to you with strings. It's a very dangerous game. 
There are things I could offer you, but they too have prices which must be paid. I have no reason to believe that you would be deceitful. Oh no. No, I would be very direct. Even now, though. Your eyes fall back to the blade at your feet, Sam. Even now, it sees you. In this space, it hears you. The taint in that sword. I thought I could control it and use it against him to... I don't know. It was a lie. It was all a lie. Lies upon lies. I lied to myself. I've lied to others. It is one thing to be secretive. It is one thing to be discerning. It is another to be malevolently deceitful. It's not the life I want. Hmm. Am I a thief and a killer? Yes. Both done to survive. And perhaps to protect the survival of others. What can I do to continue my hunt in the fashion that would benefit humanity and not these demons, whatever you want to call them. I don't... You return now to my homeland. Traveling to Kenya. Mm. I know the name, but not as you speak it. But it is no matter. It is the land. Much more my home than this water you walk on. If the fight is to be taken to its climax... There are things which could be done. There are songs and rhymes which could be sung. There are names and energies which could be hung, should you so wish it. But I would not enter this bargain with you lightly at all. There will be a toll and a price on you. And in return, there will be a toll and a price you may exact on others. We are not one to call great champions. It is not the way we work. Not anymore. We left our days of being a lioness behind some time ago. Although, trust that we have not lost our ferocity. Senior hunters firsthand. Mm, yes. Capable. There are, there are blessings I could bestow on you should you be willing to agree to certain things. You would become an, an enemy of the unnatural. You would hunt them until the ends of the earth, and even beyond if necessary. These are the things that pierce our shadows and foul our lands. They must be ripped out, root and stem. As for the blade, a simple turn of its... I think the closest word that you would understand would be flavor. It is not um, impossible to shed its taint, to retain its power. But blades are not something that I care for. The machete itself, before the ritual, the existence of it, the presence of it, is much more a relic of my past hmm. that I also wish to shed. It is not the instrument by which I wish to exact justice, by which I wish to eradicate these vermin. I've been shown that I can do more, that I can exist without it, that I can make a difference without carrying its weight. I don't need it 
I simply, I simply need the advantage that the ritual offered and nothing more. Hmm. I just don't know how to destroy it and I can't abandon it because it will find another and lie to them. All right, Sam, why don't you make me a power roll? This will be a hard difficulty. So that is a 26 under 45. A hard would be 22. And this is after the minus five. So yeah, my power's already been yep. reduced. Great. Yeah, 22. So I will spend four luck if I may. You may. I would spend four luck to make that a hard success. The darkness in the room coalesces into um, a tall, feminine figure. It coalesces into a, a being made of shadow. It sort of coalesces together from every point in the room, almost as if there's a large draping of cloth that is pulled from a table into a sort of a center position. It rises up from the floor in front of the vast idol. What you can make out other than the shadow are two very yellowed orbs in the center of its face that are exceedingly large and exceedingly feline in their appearance. I was assuming they were a delightful almond shape. They are. They're perfect as well. That is the sort of stunning thing about them. I'll do my best to not look away. It is very tough. But you've passed your power roll, and that's what's important for the moment. Very well. The blade is something that is a minor trinket. The figure steps forward and picks it up by the hilt, and then sort of with the, the pommel points it down at the ground. And with its other hand, a series of long sharp claws come out of the shadows you see the shadow on its hand grow just slightly and it rakes the bottom of the machete and there is this nails on a chalkboard sound as it rips from the bottom of the point of the machete all the way up to the hilt and you can hear the metal groan underneath the raking that's done for a refresher for me, it's my understanding that that blade is pretty tough. Yep. Like nigh unbreakable, as far as I could tell. As far as you're aware, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm just calculating my awe. That's, that's pretty much it. The blade begins to bow. The pieces of the blade begin to bow. And the paws, the paw hands of this figure bend the metal into a ball shape for a moment and it then pulls them apart and you can see the remnants of this metal fraying into several different directions and then it claps its hands shut and then opens the paws up in a single swift action and there is a bolt of thunder that runs through the ship momentarily in the paws, there are there's an object in each one. They appear to be claws, some sort of hand guards that have two blades that protrude out of each one. Sam, Sam stares in silence. Do the question I have then is how do I feel? As soon as the thunderclap happened, the 
the well of guilt in your gut dissipates. It feels like the big meatball that you had for dinner is gone finally. There is no more weight inside of you. That feeling that you had that could always be traced back to the little voice inside your head that you knew was there just waiting for you to use the machete. That connection, that presence portion is gone. But that sensation then Sam will, from his kind of kneeling, like fully kneeling position, kind of go down to a bit of a prostration, but not to bow, but to stretch finally. Like to really just every bone, every sinew, like grabbing into the 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 floorboards and just clenching and stretching everything possible and letting out something resembling a scream shout yell something some sort of exhalation again the feeling of freedom runs through you again it's like being let out of a cage The figure stands there, still objects in hand. Are these then to be the tools of their dismemberment? They will serve you as the blade did without the additional corruption that the machete offered. If you're going to serve me, you must be able to be flexible with how you serve. I believe very deeply in the importance of family and holding those who you care for very close to you. We do not give up on family. And so I will help you in this regard. There is wisdom that I can share with you and how to keep your family with you. It is, I suppose, my place then to accept your divine guidance. The shadows don't have a face to smile but if they did you think they might be one of the paws comes at you you feel the claw dig into your chest and the figure begins writing with the claw the first thing you feel in the center of your chest is a swirl pattern big deep swirl from the claw and it's, it's not pain in the same way that you might feel from a cut. It, it is pain, but it's more of a numbing pain as it happens. The figure says, if you're going to serve me, you are going to need the wisdom of communication. You feel the figure go to your left like collarbone area and you feel three claw marks dig into your collarbone long all the way down up over your left breast down to down to the first rib let out a hiss <laughs> gritted teeth you must have the wisdom to know when to use the wisdom you have. The paw goes to the right side. You feel another three 
long trace marks down the right pectoral to that first rib. But this time, it makes sort of a final connecting line on the bottom of the three on the side. And your body is beginning to shake. Yeah, I imagine at this point, I'm just clenching the air uh, with open and closed fists and trying to remain upright. You will speak with my people as I would. You will hear their words and understand. You will make them ready for the the wind that is to come. Now, sit with me, and I will share my wisdom with you. Can I still manage to speak? Yeah. I am grateful, Bast, for granting me this sacred connection. I will carry your influence within me, and I will be a beacon for any and all whom would seek your shelter. And then I probably collapse onto my haunches because I have nothing left. In those moments, the minutes, the hours that persist afterwards, the spirit of shadows shares many wisdom, many, many stories, many important truths about the way the world works. It is both eye-opening um, wondrous and concerning. Not terror per se, but it is moving. Just the, the little motes of wisdom that this figure shares, all under the guise of, well, at this point, a symphony of feline eyes there's kind of been a a running theme that i'm I'm genuinely curious about and it's there's this kind of um again using 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 mave as a point of reference here there's kind of like a uh almost a nihilistic sense of things like doom is inevitable we're just kind of built to stave it off to to survive as long as we can until the you know collapse happens because it's but with what I'm feeling, what I'm seeing here, I mean, okay, sure, I'm I'm a mortal, just a, a mere, I'm a man who's granted, driven by purpose. There's a desire to try to restore some sort of balance here, but does it, how does that line up with, with what I'm hearing? Like, is it absolute bullshit or is there really, is it, is it all, is it all true? You don't get the sense that Bast has counted humanity out yet. And that could be that she sees humanity as such a variable that it is hard to say. Even in your time with the deity here, this shard of them, this avatar, so to speak. In the wisdom that they share with you, they have a genuine love for humanity. One that goes deeper than you were prepared really to fathom. And they link it back to the fact that in ancient times, humans were the ones that sheltered cats, Bast being one of them. And that no matter how difficult things got, humans always seemed to find a way to persist. And it seems like Bass has great faith in their ability to persist. 
even through their flawed state. So it's okay to be beaten, just never broken. Indeed. Everyone falls. It is the nature of things. Some of us simply fall and land on our feet all the time. Yeah, that would definitely evoke a snort at least. So for the systematic stuff, um, the hand blades, I think is the best thing I'll call them. You could call them gauntlets. They're essentially going to operate as a D6 as far as their damage type goes. It'll have the same sort of effects uh, that the the former machete had in the sense that it can hit things as it's a magical weapon. It can hit things that couldn't normally be hit by regular attacks, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So that's one of the things that you are enlightened to their use. Are they, are they, so are they hand blades or are they claws? Technically speaking, they're claws, Okay. but they're, they're more fashioned after like, like the claws or hand blades that like the shredder would use. It's in that sort of sense. Okay. There's a, there's a plate for, for the fist. There's a backing support for the wrist and they tie together under the palm and there are blades that exist uh, over top. Okay. So they're for striking, not for like grabbing. Yeah, they're definitely for striking. Okay. But that is not all she shares with you. So you're going to pick up a couple of spells as well. There's some spells that I'm probably never going to use, but you never know. So you have Earthly Sign, which is great. I do. Uh, I was actually going to, well, anyway, I'll go ahead and do the system thing. Yeah. So the system stuff, um, you're going to get blessing of Bast. Sounds awesome. It costs four magic points. It's instantaneous. And then you heal a D six hit points and restore a D six sanity points with that casting. The recipient of the spell, the caster or someone else has to speak a prayer to Bast though. and has to make a successful power roll to convince Bast that they're worthy. Sure. Her symbol, the symbol that she would want you to use would be a a swirl that goes clockwise, right? It starts in the center and then it's a it's just a simple swirl that goes um, right and then down and then back up around it. It looks like a cat's tail. Like a curling tail, yeah, that's what I was going to say. It only loops around the once. Yeah. Yep. Get you this as well. It is the spell bind animal. Awesome. So in effect, what she tells you is this would assist you with binding essentially mammals. She points out very specific things that it would work on. Um, Monkeys, it might work on. She said it works very well on dogs. They're very loyal. Mm -hmm. Um, And you can tell that there's likely a little bit of an internal humor to that. Clearly it work on cats. But she tells you that it it won't work on things out outside of what I consider um, friendly. So no reptiles. None. I, could, I look again at the dead snake. I'm like, <laughs> you know, I don't even have to ask why a snake. I just feel like I know why a snake. Yeah. Or serpent, rather. Right. It should be poisonous. There's a lot of big cats in Kenya. Um, yes, there's also a lot of very large animals in Kenya, like just large animals, rhinos. Rhinos. El- elephants? Are there elephants? There's elephants in oh, Kenya, yeah. right? Yeah. I'm sure that there are. If not, we'll put them in there. Um, yeah. she, she's going to teach you one other very specific incantation, but she warns that you should be very careful when you use it. 
She says that this is an incantation which is used to level the playing field should it need to be done. Yeah, that's an opposed power roll, all right? Yeah. But after she walks you through and, and sort of opens your mind to the wisdom of why one, one would use it, um, if if a, um, a subject is being, if you were being hunted by something which is clearly that you are outmatched for, if something must not find you, then this would be the incantation to use. Well, in, in, in my mind, in Sam's mind, it has always been his way to, to elude, right? To elude the, the sight of his enemies, especially now that being seen by them is the same as being within, like, within, within range of them choking you to death. Um, and it is, it's, a, it's just an ongoing problem that we keep having is Sam is seen, Sam is hurt, Sam is sad. So the ability to potentially remove that particular advantage seems worth the price. And that's expensive. Yeah. I'm really glad that Sam is learning to use the sticks because my understanding those will be pretty helpful for situations like this. Yeah, they can be. The rest of your voyage uh, is is spent in this space, not necessarily with this being um, here, because after a few hours, the shadows relent to the coming morning. But you are left with three very significant brands on your skin. That swirling one in the center three strike lines on your left side and then three more on your right with that bottom mark just at the top of your rib cage. Those marks are dark as pitch, dark even against Sam's skin. You feel them when you move. Because really all Sam was doing other than this ritual was studying for the Mm -hmm. most part, studying and and doing what what he could to help. Uh, Mr. Drummond, but I feel like this place, this sanctum will likely become his spot on the ship for for the duration. Yeah, I could see um, that. He'd probably go to back to his room and like fetch a few important things and you know, make a, make a little place for himself in a corner, give himself a lamp to read by and be amongst his... Uh, his new friends. Well, that sounds as uh, fantastic a time as to uh, any to end. So thank you all for so much for joining us for our spotlight episode with Sam, as we very, very closely now will be nearing Mombasa here very shortly. So we look forward to the official kickoff of season six as we arrive. So thank you and good night. <laughs>